Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about what makes memorable games. Yes. That's RPG games. There's board games, but we could talk about that dif- at a different time. So what makes an RPG memorable? Almost any gamer that's been playing for a while or even a short time will regale you with experiences that they've had. And for the most part, a lot of people don't like hearing those kind of tales because they're like, they're important to that p- player because they experienced it and other people they tell didn't experience it and so it's not as compelling to them and as interesting but some of them are pretty funny unless you get together with the same people and or like Saul (laughs) they retell their stories from 20 years ago 30 years ago to each other 40 years ago and then they laugh about it because they were all there correct there's that and it just you know you're right those are things that make a game memorable that you know even to this like jolene said i can remember things that happened 30 years ago in a game yeah i don't remember i might not even remember the the whole adventure but i remember certain things that happened and for one reason or another it sticks in your head so we compiled a little bit of a list of what we thought would make a good game memorable and sometimes you can't really plan it right you know sometimes it just it just happens something you know, being that it's a game of luck and there's dice involved, and I think it makes it the... Dice are one of the things that make most games memorable one way or the other, especially if... So we played in this... Saul ran a, a Star Trek adventure game. Right. Um, it was a play test, and there was this bridge that we had to cross. It was it was, it was was a wooden bridge. No, it was... It was, a, it, was, it, was a, it was like logs across the... I think it was a stone bridge. It was, it was a it was a big stone that fell over a, a crevasse. And you didn't even have to. It was a tree that fell over. Oh, it was a, a tree. That's what it was. And you didn't even have to roll high or anything. You just had to not roll a one or something, right? Uh, it was. Or you, you couldn't had, roll low. You or... couldn't roll a twenty, which is oh. a complication. Well, <laughs> I fell off that bridge, twisted my ankle, and they had to carry me out of the the ravine. It slowed us down. I think and, more than one person failed. Yes. I think Chris failed too. <laughs> At least two or three of us failed. It was it a- was funny, which was which was funny because like you know it it wasn't a very high, it wasn't very hard for people to make it across a bridge. And it wasn't even a scene that was that should have been memorable, but because people failed the roles, it turned into like a fifteen minute scene trying I, to yes and trying to trying to <laughs> save people and stuff like that. And it did have consequences because, like, you guys were slowed down. Yes. And so you guys couldn't get to the place where you needed to be as quickly as you wanted to. And so it affected the whole game. But but I think the the funny part was is I think there was, like, four. No, there was quite a few of you playing. Yeah. Like six or seven yeah. of you. And, like, half the party had a problem crossing the bridge. And the funny thing is, is then just this weekend when we played um, in one of our friends' games, who was there <laughs> when when we when we did that yes, game, in fact. Played. Felipe, Jem, Sip, and Augustine. Yes. We're all there. And we, there was this scene, and he says, it's these rocks across a river. It shouldn't be hard. It's not a difficult. I think it was DC 10. Yeah. I rolled a two. (laughs) I fell into the water. I went down the rapids. Saul's character, Chatterwick, who's a gnome, tried to save me and fell into the water also. Yeah. Which ensued about 20 minutes of, well, besides Mike and Jim trying to figure out who was on what side of the river. <laughs> it was that. Um, it's a memorable scene because, one, it reminded me of the other scene. And two, it was like the dice did it, right? It just rolled the wrong number. And so those, the dice can, can either 
totally make the scene this amazing thing where you you kill the dragon or you win the you win whatever the battle or you fall into the river because you rolled a two. Well, I think what's funny is that dice can make the mundane interesting, right? Like just crossing the river, oh, it's a DC 10. And, you you know, you, and it was like, oh, you athletics or acrobatics. So you can use your strength or your dexterity. So you get like a. No, he said you had to use your, your I had to use. Athletics? Yeah. Oh, so, okay, I don't get a bonus for that. So most adventures have a, you know, a higher strength. So, you know, you get a little bit of a plus there, right? And so you, sh- by all intents purposes, should have made it. I should have. But. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> she did it. Simple. Those two things. I think if you, any bridge that you have to cross and you have to roll to cross it, that's always dangerous. No matter what. No matter, no matter how what easy, they tell you. No matter what they tell you. What the odds are. When you have to roll those <laughs> dice to cross that bridge, it's not always as easy as it looks. So I think that the, there's that's the comic uh, experience. That is the comic expe- experience of the yeah, game. Yeah, because things that make you laugh, you know, and, and especially as they make the whole table just erupt in laughter. I think most people are going to remember that because that's such a laughter and, and, and laughing together. I think, you know, as a group, as, as social animals that we are, we all really love that. I mean, I think, you know, playing role playing games is a storytelling. It's a uh, shared experience. It's a story. Yeah, yeah. It's a shared, but storytelling. And that's probably one of the oldest forms of entertainment we as humans have, you know, since we've been able to communicate. So when everybody's laughing together, you know, people remember good jokes and they remember funny things. And I think that's probably where this comes from. Why we remember that scene. I remember back. I was probably I was probably in my teens, so it was you know a while ago, thirty two years ago. Uh, I was, we were playing in Salinas, and I w- I was playing a cavalier. They had just came out with the with the cavalier class in AD and D. So we I was playing a cavalier, and so at one point, you know, I played a really uh, charismatic. Uh, not charismatic, but I was you know. Real macho type of uh, oh. uh, of cavalier. At one point, for some reason, we're trying to sneak into this house, right, or this mansion, and all of a sudden, out of a out of a door, this doorway opens, and there's this huge, you know, figure, and, and it looked like it was like twelve, feet, and we were only like first or second level, right? So, uh, so, I mean, we must have just saw uh, like like uh, what is it, the Princess Bride or something. So, so this thing that looked like like the silhouette of Andrew, uh, Andre the Andre the Giant, right? He was huge. So I'm like giant, giant, and I went running, right? I took off running, <laughs> and everybody in the, in the in the in the in the table started laughing because they already knew that the they had they had gone in front of me and they had set me up. So it was just a it was like a straw. It was like a way a scarecrow, and it was like a it was lit from behind, so the it made the shadow bigger. So they all start laughing at me for, you know, here's this courageous cavalier, you know, running away from a sh- literally shadow. <laughs> so they remember that and I get ribbed about that all the time. And I, and I kind of knew what it was up. So I, you know, I went with it, right? I, but it, it was just extremely funny. It was, you know, at the time. And so I still remember that. In fact, it, you know, Mike especially will rib me about that every once in a while about, my because uh, he can he called me the what did he call me the communist cavalier something like that so yeah so funny things can happen that that can last a lifetime right silly character things happen also like 
I remember Augustine and Alan, Augustine had this idea to sell chairs. and <laughs> they, they wanted money. They wanted they, money. They were and, pretty poor at the time. And so him and Alan got all these chairs <laughs> that from the city, right? And they go, Augustine goes, okay, I'll sell them to people. And so the joke became because we had this pavilion that Ian stole from a wizard. They put the chairs in the pavilion and they would, and so there would always be these this group of this huge amount of chairs in this pavilion that you know was like a huge bag of holding right yes and wherever we went augustine's all okay let's try to sell the chairs <laughs> or we got to take all the chairs out of the pavilion it was funny and so it was a running gag for them and and it they still loved, is they still love that thing and they still love and even even though he's like 11th level or so he goes i got chairs to sell you know, because like I forget what Which happened. Which makes everybody laugh, so yeah. people are going to remember that. And and then it's just a joke between our families, right? Because and our friends that play with us, because we're the only ones that ever hear it. Nobody's nobody else is going to think that's funny, right? But it's very memorable to the people playing the game. And then there was one one funny thing. I thought it was funny, and Steve didn't think it was funny. There was a, they were on this boat, right? There was on a, like a, a sailing ship, and they were. Uh, I don't know if they were being Saul attacked. has told this story before. Yeah, and they were being attacked or something. We and, were. Well, yeah, you were and we fighting. were dying. You were, yeah, we were, they, we were, were. they were pretty bad straits. So at one point, Ian's character is a uh, druid, I believe. Yes. And he's able to shape shift. So he sh- shapes, he jumps off the ship and shape shifts into a shark. And, and so, swims away. And swims away. And that really. <laughs> Pissed off <laughs> his dad. Greatly. His dad was played and they were bad. I mean, they were, they were, you know. There were a couple of hit. Everybody was a couple of hit points from going down, and and so, and and I don't think he was even injured. I think he was in pretty good shape. If he had, he had no, but he was he was scared and wanted to get away from yes, the fight. Yes, and by scared I mean his character was scared. Yes, he, he was scared he of losing did, his character. Yeah, he didn't want to lose his character. Either. So so he jumps into the water. He's a shark, and his dad goes, "What are you doing?" <laughs> And it, and it all incredulously, and it, yeah, and it, it innocently voice says because he was younger, he was like fourteen, was like, yeah, thirteen Maybe or fourteen, 13. and he's like because there was a rowboat, right? There was there was some men on a rowboat. And he goes, I'm gonna go and attack these guys from going on the ship. And he goes, and his dad goes, who cares about those guys on the rowboat? We're dying on this boat. <laughs> Get back here. And I go, you know what? You can't really talk to him because he's literally under the water and he can't hear you. And then, then what's really funny is Ian gets his biggest smile on his face because he knows that I'm right, right? And so he goes, I don't hear him, do I? I go, no. He goes, and so, so he's circling the rowboat, you know, preventing them from rowing, right? Because they're start trying to attack the shark. And so it was funny, but probably frustrating for, for for his dad. And everybody else is just like shaking their head going, oh, but that's it. You know, he's going to, he's going to, you know. He doesn't uh, want to lose his character. Abandoned ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I to gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I got this great idea to prevent uh, more people from coming. But, you know, that just means. So that just, makes it memorable, right? Yes. Yeah. I was, it was funny. What are some of the other things that make games memorable? Emotional entanglements. Emotional entanglements. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had too many of those uh, uh, in a game. I, I don't usually run those kind of games. I don't. I don't mean romantic. What? I just mean. I mean like emotional things for your characters. Like when one of the characters dived off the ship and to his death. Oh. When um, oh, th- when yeah. in Call of Cthulhu we had to leave the old man. Uh. On the side of the road, <laughs> or we yeah. didn't. Yeah. It was a choice. 
those kind of things. What's your moral dilemma, your emotional attachment oh, to yeah. different things? Although those, yeah, those are definitely can make a game very memorable. You know, Kathy and, and Annette, you know, uh, struggling with this guy in space opera, whether they want to bring him to the spaceport to bring him to the law or to justice. Or space him. Or meet out their own justice because this guy was such a terrible person. Saul will never forget that. No, I won't. And I'm sure they, you know, you, you, Kathy might probably have, might have forgotten it, but... Uh, I doubt it. But uh, I think if I remind her, she'll probably remember it and, and the consternation that both of them had, right? Because they both, both of them had this... They didn't want to kill this person who was like, what is it? He's a prisoner, right? And, you know, you're not supposed to kill prisoners. You're not supposed... But he was such a vile... And he was vile. You know, I was purposely making him as as... As vile as possible. As vile as possible, you know, (laughs) without a shred of humanity left into him. him. And I pushed him. I pushed him into that direction, right? He was like, oh, you know, and it was all it takes for you to do. They were like serious. They go, all it takes for us to do to not space you is to admit what you did was wrong. And he goes, how can I admit that when I'm being paid by the same government that pays you? And then that just like, that was too much for them to bear, right? (laughs) That was it. That was the straw that. that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah. So, so out he went, and you know, I was still talking. That happened in the mid nineties. Yes. Yes. I was just thinking also on quirky characters. Quirky the characters. sometimes a voice or a mannerism that yes. the character does all the time, and right. I'm specifically thinking about your brother in the a recent game that we played with Mike. We were doing it on roll twenty because of the times that we're in, but he. uh had a, a voice changer oh, <laughs> and he was trying to make this this dwarf sound really gravelly because once he took the voice changer off that's what he did a voice that made the dwarf sound you know really gravelly i can't do it of course but um when he was using the voice changer you couldn't understand what he was saying yeah so it's very memorable to me no and in that game also um one of the guys was playing a, a halfling and he gave him a voice of of a little, like a little kid voice. Yes. So, so those kind of things make the game very memorable. Yeah, something quirky that that's a little odd. Yeah, that definitely does does make you remember things. I was we were talking about uh, funny things. Even though I wasn't playing in the game, it was a, a convention game. But you mentioned the pizza box mm-hmm. uh, that that had a, a ticking alarm clock in it. You know, and so that's just a, a prop that just was hilarious, and everybody was laughing. And I wasn't even in the game. I was just I had just gone with Kathy because she was gonna play in the game and hadn't played in a in a game at a con- convention before. So she was a little nervous. So you know, after after that scene, I'm like, oh, I think she's fine. I guess it went off pretty well. So funny things that happen like that, or even intentionally funny things. I think I'll never forget that pizza box. You know, it was it was a really good prop too. It was a paranoia game too, so yeah. it made perfect sense that it was a bomb. So you mentioned the the the, the character that sacrificed himself. Uh, he didn't just jump off a ship, you know. They were an airship, but what happened was is this this bad guy had like a like a suicide bomb or something, or he had a bomb on him and it was gonna blow up the airship. Right? The airships aren't really sturdy. They're sturdy. They're just in the air. Right. Right. Well, well they're they're, they're, they're precarious. Bombs. Yes. <laughs> bombs could be holes in airships. Probably aren't good. <laughs> in, in the big old huge uh, uh, balloon part. So. The character, the the player character, decides that he, the only way he could save because the, the person was the thing was flying, and so he jumps off off the boat and like hugs him, and it was a winged creature, so he grabs the wings and hugs the wings, 
and prevents it from flying. So they both go, you know, falling. And luckily for me, I knew that uh, Jason wanted to switch characters at that point in time. So I wasn't, I wasn't shocked. Half the people at the table weren't shocked, but a couple of them were a little on the, the. Yeah, they were shocked. Yeah. Just, what? What? <laughs> yes, and I think that was, you know, it was a very memorable moment. And yeah, he didn't want to change characters. That was one reason. But you know, the, the situation could have been if he, even if he wanted to keep that character, I could have given him that scene, right? That chance. I go well as a GM is if you give these players moral dilemmas and they what is it? They either act or don't act. Either way, it's going to be memorable. And in this case, it was. I mean, everybody remembers that point when you know when he he goes hugs that dude and it and they both fall and then the bomb goes off and and there's no more of that character so uh, it was pretty cool it was pretty neat and i think uh everybody remembers that scene i mean everybody's going to remember that especially the people that weren't prepared for it they're going <laughs> well can't we save him can we get down to the ground and and he should be okay he must be fine no he wasn't i think it was fun i think it was a neat uh idea and uh, I think when you, uh, as a GM, when you have, when you uh, set up that kind of encounter, that situation, it could be a very memorable scene. Most of the game, most of the games that you play, there's going to be moral dilemmas or uh, character entanglements with other people. As in, are you going to try to talk to the dragon? Are you going to try to fight the dragon? Are you going to ask the townspeople what's going on versus kill them all? I mean, those, those are, that's, you know, because you are a bunch of, of heavily armed people just walking around right right so to make it memorable you should probably not go the bad way is what i'm I'm thinking so other things that make a game memorable is the the clutch roll right you know usually or the bad roll right you know when you don't make the clutch roll yeah and i think uh we talked about that part yeah so i i remember this one scene where uh where one of my players uh, they got into this big battle with bugbears and stuff like that, and they were, you know, they were going down left and right, and you know, they were from both sides, you know, both both players and the, the creatures were were being dispatched or knocked down, and I think it came down to just one character, which was Sip's character, who was playing uh, Elv, basically was playing Legolas, right? He was trying to play Legolas. Yes, this is right around uh, 2000, right after 2000, so right around, right after the movies came out or the original movie came out. Fellowship of the Ring. It was around 2003-2004. And we had just started playing 3rd edition. So it was probably 2002. So it was funny because they were all, you know, they had, it was a big group. I had like I had like 10 players at the time. And at usually at this point I think only 8 players had showed up. But it's still a big group. And they had gone into this, you know, they had gone to this battle with these uh, bugbears and, and there was some other type of creatures. I forget what they were. But it was this running battle, right? They were all over, there were a whole bunch of them all over the field. And finally, all everybody had gone down except for the, the ranger. I think it was a ranger. Yeah. He had worked himself up uh, up onto a small hill and there was like four bugbears left and they were all hurt. You know, so I was keeping, you know, I was keeping track of their hit points and everything. You know, he's shooting his bow and then, and he's knocking them out. And he had like one arrow left and he had one bugbear left. And I'm like, and then he, I don't, he had a sword, but he wasn't, that wasn't his primary, you know, way of fighting. He really liked shooting arrows. So it came down to one roll. And so everybody's watching this to him, you know, he has the dice in his hand. And he's, you know, he's shaking. He's no pressure at all. No pressure, no pressure at, all. at all. And so he rolls the dice and he's able to 
dispatch the thing and and literally save the whole party. I, I had never had a Tory party kill. I've never had one. I've never had one. But that's about as close as I got. And it wasn't like I was trying to. I was just like, because they should have been able to defeat the creatures pretty pretty solidly. But they were rolling really badly. And I was rolling really well. And since I roll out in the open, it was just like, you know, they're like, there was nothing I can do. And there was nothing they could say. Because you can't fudge the dice when everybody sees what you're rolling. <laughs> but it was pretty but memorable. It does, it does make it very memorable. And all a lot of battle scenes are memorable, right? Right. The right. the battle scenes where, you know, you're not sure how you're going to get to that shaman to kill it before so the other things will run away. Because there's way too many of them for you to defeat. Even when you dimension door behind the shaman and his... Uh, oh, behind yeah, the shaman. That was his, a mistake on my part. <laughs> with, with the rogue. I mean, the rogue was pretty hurt, too. And then you said you had you went down, right? I was Yeah, I was like at two hit points or, or something, one hit point. Oh, so you had, weren't knocked out. I might have been. I, I might have been at down. zero. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Alan was already hurt, or he was not a fighter, and he was fighting this guy. And he was so, trying. <laughs> and so he was able to stay alive long enough for the other group, the group he left behind, to catch up and. Get it did to make you guys. them fight fa- faster and harder and more, with more enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, that's a neat scene and a neat memory. I mean, you won't forget that. No. You learned a lesson about Dimension Door. <laughs> I don't like that spell anymore. <laughs> I noticed since then you have not used it. Well, I haven't been playing either. <laughs> I've been running the game now. So. Yes, that's hilarious. So the moral dilemma, we talked about that. All these are things that you should include in your game, right? Because what they do is they cause your game to be more, not just more memorable, which is what we're talking about, but more interesting, right? You know, when you When you have funny scenes and stuff like that, that makes for a fun, fun session. Right. And I think another thing that you should think about, about making your games memorable are just the normal things like the setting of your game, where you play it. You're, if you're, if it's a home game and you play at your house, when you could do that, people would <laughs> uh, like for our group, snacks are important. Oh, snacks. You talk about real drinks. stuff. Yeah. Real stuff. You're the things that the kids are going to remember or your friends, right? You, oh, yeah. You're, you're going to remember playing around your mom's kitchen table. You're going to remember setting up the tables, everybody putting out the mat, putting out snacks, chit chat. All of those things make games not only comfortable, but memorable for your, for later on, right? For the, what the kids right. think about stuff. The kids still remember and loved. And one of the reasons we always have snacks is because we, when we first started playing with them, we took them to Legends comic store or right. Legends gaming store at the Valco Mall, which has been totally torn down now. But there <laughs> no was <more. laughs> a, they could buy a soda and chips and stuff there. So we would, they would do that, right? Or we would yes. go to the food court. And so it was a whole big, thing for them food was a was was part of the game because that was they were little right so that yeah, kept them you know that was a part of it and they remember that so whenever we go to play a game whether we're at a convention or at home one of the questions that they always ask is what are we going to have for snacks <laughs> so it's, it's, so steve and i always try to make sure that there's plenty of snacks now that they're older they're more like hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that and or they pizza. still like snacks yeah, they, they, they like, love snacks they still like their checks mix and stuff so so those kind of things right there is that there's the whole experience that causes it to be memorable right yeah you know where you meet you know we still have memories of the scout house uh we still have memories of the library it's the steinbeck library in salinas 
I still remember going down into the basement of my brother's friends when I was a teenager going, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> I remember playing in my our friend uh, my, Dave, you know, the Blake's uh, house in, in, uh, in Salinas. They had a basement. It's an old Victorian style house. And, and we played down there. We played Traveler. You know, I, I can barely remember the game, but I definitely remember the location. So you're right. You know, outside of the game, the, you make memories and things are memorable by... By the food, and you know, when we go to Cowie's house, you know, she puts out that spread that like no game. She always has, has ever... quiche. I love that <laughs> quiche and salami. I don't. Uh, it's just amazing. <laughs> I'm not a quiche man, but yeah, she, you know, and and what's funny about about her spread is that it's so ungamer like, right? She has fruits and vegetables, crackers and salami. And... It's perfect for the people that we play with there, yes. right? And us. Yes, it's a nice little. <laughs> Little, uh, <laughs> I think we talked about it before, how deciding where to play before we even had met each other, right? Cowie goes, well, I, I, we could play at my place. It's nice and big. And, and she has a gorgeous house, and it's really nice and large. Uh, and she has this huge table that's perfect for up to like 10 people probably. And so one of the other players didn't you know, was like, well, we could do it at our house too, because my house, because, you know, because he probably doesn't want to get up and have to drive somewhere, you know. You know, I, I I would run it at my place if I but ours had is the room. very small. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that much room. But once it was Morgan who wanted to go over there, who did, he goes, ah, we should play. Might you know, go back and forth. But then when he realized that Cowie was putting food out, <laughs> that, that was it. <laughs> that yeah. was it. Goes. And so so I in fact I remember I go oh uh, next time we play we go we go to your place Morgan he goes no no and he has a mouthful oh no no it's okay we can just keep playing here. <laughs> and I thought it was funny, so much more, you know, I wanted to play at his house. Which is wonderful, because if you have a, a friend like that that has a nice place, and they provide you with these oh, delicious, yeah. oh, you, delicious Oh, you've gone. Yeah. You've gone to Kawi's house. Yeah. Yeah. She puts out cakes and stuff like that. It's, it's unbelievable. And so so that's cool. Now we don't get to do that. We no. don't get to experience that. We still get to play with Kawi, but uh, it's, on, it's on Roll20 and, and Zoom, so it's not quite the same. But also, I think another thing that makes games memorable, and I'm thinking about conventions right now, oh, wow. is like all of the things, the prep that GMs do for games. There's the the Star Trek game we played in oh, where, yeah. where they actually had made it so that you could talk to somebody on a view screen, right? That was so cool. And, and, I, and it was, yeah, it was really neat. Things like that, or the fact that the GM takes all this time to create pictures of the characters and in the character makes makes all the characters and they have it set out where you get to pick who you want to play. There's a picture of them. There's notes that you need, um, secrets, all right. kinds of different things. So it depends on the way the the room is set up. Like the other Star Trek game that we play in, the guy puts up pictures on the wall. Yes. And, and he decorates the place. And he brings, you know, uh, um, the bridge of the of next generation. And he has um, action figures. And- <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. The action figures. You know, I, you're right. I'm, I remember that game and I remember both games. And the other one was like really technical, right? The the view, the one where we're talking to the guy on the view screen, well, it wasn't a view screen. I mean, it wasn't like a, a monitor. They had like a, a was a projector, and they were putting it on the wall. Yes. And so the guy was dressed. Hey, he had like a you know like a like a Star Trek uniform, commander uniform on, and he's like 
you know, he, you know, like the the typical view screen, you know, where the the captain of the ship is talking to somebody from the Federation and he's being given a mission. Yes, and so it was hilarious. It was funny and it was amazing, and it you know it worked. There were little glitches, you know, here and there. But there glitches. always are when you're trying uh, to do technical you know, stuff. I forget what their glitch was, but they when it got it to work. It was pretty amazing that we're like, whoa. It was the phone connection to the to the um, projector, I think it was. Yeah. But they, but it, it, it they fixed out. it. And yeah. Then, yeah. It was pretty cool. So yeah, those kind of things really always neat. make games memorable. Yes. I remember with the kids in the kids' room at um, Dundracon, there's this older guy, I don't know his name, but these, he used to have hero clicks that he would play with them. With oh, yeah. The, these hero clicks. Right. And he would give them gold coins. Yes. Real money coins. Yeah, dollar, do, Doll, uh, gold the, dollars. The U.S. dollars. Uh, that uh, for some reason they were tinted gold. Yeah, uh, they look goldish. Yeah, and, and so he like you know at the very end of the, the, they would pick up treasure and then he would literally give them a dollars coins. And the boys will never forget that, yeah. and they loved that. Yes, right. So that was like a and and and. It was kind of cool. It was, you know, it was cool. They got it was to play. a dungeon. Yeah. And they were playing with the hero clicks. He gave them the hero clicks boxes. And oh, then, that's right. The, and they got gold coins out of it, real money, which they were like totally amazed by. And yeah, they were like, they were eight, and yeah. six, six and seven. So, so those are, those are things that make things memorable, right? Right. That was pretty neat. So there's all kinds of things that can happen in the game that will make a scene memorable. And a lot of times there's just, no t- way you can tell when that's going to happen. You never know. You know, and some of them you can, right? Like the end of a campaign. Yeah. Like the, the slaying of the dragon or the slaying or, or the conclusion of a campaign. Or when we were helping the king of the giants, which one was it? The Storm King's Thunder? Storm, yeah. And, and they gave us all this ridiculous stuff at the end. Yes. We, <laughs> the, the, the kids were like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Are they going? Yes, uh, yeah. There the is treasure you get. There at is the, the end. treasure at yeah. the end of the at the end of the, like, and some of it, like the pavilion, right? That was something that I just kind of threw in there, and and that you know, and it might have been a mistake at the time, but so the pavilion is this like you just as like a command word, it sets itself up, and it's a big, huge pavilion, but it's like Jolene said, it's kind of like this large, uh, multi, you know, interdimensional portal thing that's like a huge bag of holding so everything in it is like the bed and everything just is set up just don't put live things in it we yeah. learned <laughs> what did you guys put in there a horse i don't or remember but it didn't it wasn't it wasn't good so but also the pavilion comes with a wizard that's trying to get it back well yeah because they stole it from this guy yeah. who was a who was a wizard and so uh, he's a recurring bad guy. So that's another one is a reoccurring bad guy. That's always good to make a thing memorable. Your game memorable is, uh, is, is NPCs that really are like over the top. Yeah. Or just are a pain in the butt to the characters, right? They, they show up at the worst times <laughs> or the best times and, uh, and make things interesting for the yes. characters. Yes. So memorable things, a lot of times you just can't, uh, you know, you can't force them. It, they just happen. You know, bridges, you know, we've talked about bridges, right? You know, throw a bridge in there and make it a simple DC or a skill check and watch them fall off that bridge like there's no tomorrow. Well, like <laughs> some some games people learn, you know, I can't sneak if I have armor on, right? But right, right at the beginning, everybody wants to sneak until they realize that they're a paladin and they're going to make a lot of noise, right? They're, they got chain mail or something and it's not going to work. 
but those kind of things make it memorable when everybody's trying to make a sneak roll. That it goes back to the dice, right? <laughs> and sometimes and even good sneakers can't sneak. So yes. Oh, there's that right. There's, <laughs> yeah. When the paladin, in, you know, in chainmail is sneaking by the the orcs and the and the and the rogue, you know, who's that's his specialty, is wearing leather armor, uh, and rolls a one. You know, there yeah. you go. He not he runs into the paladin. And- <laughs> Makes he's, clanky noises. He steps on a, you know, <laughs> he steps on a rat trap. Those are the things that your your players will remember for a long time. Yeah. So I think for for me, that's why we play, right? We play to be entertained, but at the same time, we play to have these great experiences. And because they're fantastic experiences, they're going to be stick, stick with us for the rest of our lives. And I think that's what's so special about role-playing games. I mean, you could have that experience in a board game. But I think role playing games, it's much more, much more likely to happen. And it happens more often because, because that, you know, that's what we are. We are social creatures and we like telling stories and that's what we're doing. So there you go. Go out, make your memories. And this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. Have a good day. <laughs>